Today's episode of Azure Lunch is sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you are building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources, including the Partner Practice Playbooks, and you can get them at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub. Kia ora, I'm Daniel Larson, Technical Evangelist at Microsoft, and I'm joined by Matt Simpson, also Technical Evangelist at Microsoft. We work for Microsoft, of course, but these opinions are our own. Morena, Matt. Morning. How are you? Yeah, good, man. How do you like the studio I set up yeah, for you? This is, uh, this is pretty good. We are sat in the corner uh, office uh, of Microsoft in Auckland, and we're kind of looking over the Harbour Bridge. Yeah, so it's a nice morning. It is such a good view. I love uh, the Microsoft New Zealand office. I think it's one of the best out of the Microsoft offices in the world. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet spot. So here we are. What a year. <laughs> I can't believe it's been a year. We've been so busy. Mm. I started. Um, yeah, I started this role, um, well, kind of February, but January, mm. February, um, yeah, this year. So yeah, it's been a, been a crazy one. No, that's right. Mm. That's right. And and now we get to do our season finale episode. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> one season. And just rewinding, you know, to episode one, which we kind of recorded as a joke. I mean, let's be honest. It was a bit of a pilot episode that um, turned into <laughs> a just ship it uh, yeah. moment, which was great. You well, know, that's it was right. good. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah. this has now got way more production productionized, and uh, yeah, there's some great equipment set up now, and you've, so. you've kind of got it all dialed now, so it's great. Yeah, that's right, the production process, mm. you know, I keep threatening to do an episode on that, but yeah, we've got it down, we should actually, it'll be really good, yeah. yeah. Um, and we've had some great guests and some really good feedback mm. as well, Vishesh's episode was just Yeah, we've got some really good feedback on that. Outstanding. And he, he, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and yeah. he's flown off now. I know, so. yeah, yeah. He literally, as as we said, he was going to go, and then he jetted off like uh, that on next Monday. Monday. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So go well, Vish. All right. Mm. So we're going to do our season finale this year. We're going to do talk about so our, our, I guess, our top three favorite announcements from 2018. Talk about some future stuff. You know what's coming up, and also uh, do some cheeky predictions for this time next year. Since we're on tape. Yeah, put it on record. This could be interesting. Could Try be not to get fired in the process. <laughs> yeah, okay. So <laughs> opinions are our own, and this is definitely the uh, episode to highlight oh, that. Oh, mate, we're well, just going to have to keep rolling that one out. But yeah, <laughs> so look, if I go back through my Twitter stream and I go back through your Twitter stream, you know, what what really lit you up this year? What, what were your top three announcements uh, yeah, from 2018? This was cool because you got me thinking about this. You said, oh, we should do, you know, we'll do the season finale. We'll, we'll come up with some ideas. And, you know, and it got me thinking, actually, just, and, you know, there's the constant fire hose of announcements from everywhere, you know, and we've just seen a load from from AWS and reInvent as well, as well. And then we had, you know, the Connect conference and that. So we've had another kind of barrage of updates. So it's kind of it's really difficult to pick favourites. Yeah. Um, but I kind of had I boiled it down to three, um, and this was around you know kind of a lot of the work that I've been doing around event based computing and things like that, and just um, scaling things out. But yeah, my my top three were around. Um, kind of Kafka on on event hubs as awesome. a message streaming, um, and then just the AKS stuff that they were doing um, that that going GA and you know being a really massive um, pitch and compute, and then having somewhere to put all this stuff as we're event streaming in, scaling up from all these containers, uh, putting it somewhere was was Cosmos and the, the multi master stuff. So multi master, yeah, yeah, they were my top three. Cool. So let's let's rewind on that. So Kafka on event hubs, why? I mean, why is that? Why was that important to you? Why did that, you know, resonate with you this year? Yep. So it, data, 
data, data, data. Yeah. Everyone's, you know, we see all these stories, you know, we're, we're collecting so much more with everything, everything we do, every every interaction we have, um, all those are turning into data points, right? And we, we, we hear that a lot. Um, Kafka is the open source, uh, you know, message broker ingest engine. That uh, means I can just chuck millions of events at it. Yeah, so let's, you know, let's imagine millions of events. Mm. I mean, you know, we're, I guess, a pretty routine workload these days would be a th- um, 100,000 messages a second Yeah, on Kafka. Yeah. Uh, and Kafka is an Apache project, I believe. Yep, yep. So it's open source. Came out of LinkedIn, but they open sourced it. It's now That's Apache right. Kafka, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, big fans in the engineering community has always mm. had a lot of respect yeah. um, for for the way it works and it was pretty revolutionary when it came out mm-hmm. and we can take that Kafka API now and run it on an, another amazing product that we've got which is called Event Hubs. Yeah. Right, so I guess if you're familiar with Kafka, you know, and that's what you've loved and you've run on open source, maybe on Linux and, you know, and, and on-prem or in any cloud, we can, you can have the same great functionality of that client. Totally. Uh, running on top of event hubs, which you know um, today will do a trillion messages as a platform, which is unreal. Um, you know that's that's pretty amazing scale and pretty amazing functionality combined. Yep. So now I can, and those worlds are combining. Maybe I've got something that is producing events, uh, and that was written, and I decided to use an open source product. Uh, you know, I can still consume it um, using something else. Maybe my backend team's more familiar with um, .NET. I can start consuming that in functions, or you know, start pulling messages off um, using that technology. Or I could go, you know, full open source and start using Spark and things like that, and reading off event hubs and and, and processing data. Uh, you know, adding that into a machine learning pipeline, start making predictions, you know, kind of opens opens everything up now. So I think we're starting to see that where um, it's really nice to see that Microsoft's taking the open source stuff and, and then building it in, baking it into the products. We've seen it with Cosmos, how it's, you know, taken on Mongo APIs and Cassandra APIs and things like that. So I really hope that um, that's a trend that we continue to see. It's so good, isn't it? Because in the past, you know, if we go and see, you know, great engineering teams and they go, oh, well, we love Kafka. You know, go, well, cool, you can do that in Azure. You've been able to do that for ages, but you know, got to build a cluster yep. and then it's all the things. And I think that's where we need to, we're breaking down the barriers for ops as well, where it's yes. like, I don't need to build a cluster and you know three VMs and and have all that because that's that's a lot of weight. It's a lot. It's also not going to differentiate me or my yeah. company in no. terms of we can build a Kafka cluster. That's great, but I mean you know then I've got to go and feed and water it and you know and and again building something to do you know maybe a thousand events a second is great, but could it, could it do a hundred thousand? Those are different levels of scale, and then that requires different levels of architecture and you know and operations. Totally right. And then I've Kafka got a scale cluster. Kafka failure modes, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Fun times. Fun so, yeah. times. Yeah. Cool. My favorite, so also on my mm. list, was Cosmos Multimaster. So Cosmos DB is our document DB, which is running at global scale. Uh, it's, a, it's a Microsoft product. It's one we've developed and used for years. Uh, what does Multimaster mean to me if I'm, an, if I'm a CTO or I'm a, an SLT at a, at a technology company? So we're really looking at it and saying, you know, distribute. We've, we've this is the, the the theme of the podcast is you know distributing computing is hard. Mm. You know, we're, this is this is tricky stuff, right? It's it's difficult to do it. Um, as soon as I have multiple data stores, you know, I, you know, which one is the master? Do I have to keep them in sync? Um, you know, eventual consistency, all those kind of things. And when we start breaking the barriers of regional deployments, 
because that's a great thing about cloud these days is I, you know you want something in Europe you want something in in Australia you want something in Asia you know you want something in North America I mean it's it's, it's just a click of the button mm. um, but again then all of a sudden I might have you know three data silos where you know th- those things then need to be connected together so um, if I want to scale up or if I want to do something start small and grow um, how can I do that and and run you know if I want to do inventory management or anything like that and I want to get my Potentially my site out there, you know, and I'm I'm sh- shipping it from one region. Then you know I can I can do the things like that and have a have a central copy, but but actually get my data closer to my my end users so yes. that I'm accepting those payments, accepting those transactions coming in. I'm moving my compute out closer to you, uh, and just yeah, making my application you know sing really fast. There's a fundamental issue with multi-master rights. So for a long time in, in computing and computer science, it's been a very, very hard problem to solve. I mean, I've seen it solved inside Microsoft using SQL Server, but we're talking about huge amounts of money and investment mm-hmm. in technology to get that get that to work. And it's still, you'd argue, not quite multi-master. But Cosmos DB, what I really admire about that team is they've taken a very tricky problem in computer science and just really thrown a lot of really great and smart thinking at it and solved what really you could argue is a fundamental problem almost of computing but of physics. I mean, how do you write two pieces of information from completely opposite sides of the world to the same data store? Yeah. If you think about that, <laughs> it's kind of a practically... Uh, you know, a uh, hard to solve problem, but we've managed to do it. And of course, you know, we should get Ryan Crocor in to talk <laughs> yes, about Yes, we do. All of the science and the thinking behind that. And there's, and there's a lot, and I am simplifying it. But um, yeah, multi master, the ability that, you know, we can have one client writing in West Europe and another client writing in East US, <clears throat> excuse me, is, uh, is really profound. Mm. I love the ASOS story, the, yes. the the Connect story, the ASOS yeah. story. It was it was super quick. It was a real quick video, but um, they were talking about how they scale for like Black Friday, and they were using the you know the craziness that goes on with Cosmos, and that's essentially how they they leverage the scale of it. So yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. a really good one and a really good totally um, nice architecture. And as you know, I'm I'm pretty fixated on you know high availability at the moment and five nine uptime. So that's five nines. That's <laughs> pretty impressive. Um, and that's it, the thing as well with the with the. And the transactional uh, guarantees as well, in terms yes. of at the the higher ends of those things, where we're we're talking about ninety ninth percentile and things like that. Where that's right. you know when we're measuring you know SLAs and those kind of things, measuring performance, often we take averages, but you yep. know that's across the whole piece, and you know you get an outlier, and that kind of gets forgotten quite easily. But we're, even when yep. we're up against the the hard edge of some high performance, and we're still guaranteeing that that low latency um, response is 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 really really crazy and really cool as well. Yes. For SLA nerds like me, um, <laughs> the, when you get down into the detail, it's the long tail of those rights that we're measuring, mm. and the and the reads as well, and and that's um, that's pretty cool. That's know. the one that's going to hurt as well. Or those yep. are the ones that are going to hurt when when it's scaling and things are busy, and actually, you know, it was all fine, and you know, the the normal. And this came back to the talk that um, uh, Gemma and Marcus did at Patriots, yes. which is kind of crazy. You know, what is your normal, and yes. you know, if if th- that is. That's all, you know, it's all fine and dandy at the moment, but when you're up against it and, you know, can you guarantee that it's going to be quick when you're really throwing some load at it as well, which that's is right. which, what we're doing. So that's kind of... keep coming back to that talk. Boy, mm. that was an outstanding Azure lunchtime meetup and mm. we're going to have Gemma and Marcus on the show Yeah, we need to get them year. on because it's a really good... they got some really good ideas and really good story. I was oh, fascinated by that I keep entire thing. It. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Right. In fact, I've got another point on that later on. <laughs> 
Awesome. We got time to just give a quick um, shout out to AKS. There's, mm. I mean, man, so many AKS announcements this year. I'm not an AKS guy, but the virtual cubelets really impressed me. Um, the, the, our approach to that with open source obviously is really exciting. What else have you seen um, in that in that space? Just the pace of though that stuff is kind of crazy. And I was listening to the the team talk because there it's KubeCon, obviously. Last week, um, right. so the, oh, this week, um, sorry, and yes. they're they're all there now. So heaps of announcements, and I read a funny article about um, you know it's a full time job trying to keep up with uh, Kubernetes. Yeah, because um, really is. yeah, I mean they have five releases this year, yeah. uh, and they go for one. You know they're looking for quarterly releases, but yeah, it's kind of crazy how they are just keep pushing the boundaries and the fact that you know we've had you know. I think it's three version, four versions since GA. So you know for for AKS. So yeah, and. But we're really starting to see that shift where it's now we're thinking about how we're we're scaling to cope with these massive events. So that's really where we've got, you know, we've got Kafka up front potentially, you know, event driven computing and pushing all these events. I need some somewhere to do it. I've got the I've got Cosmos in the back end being able to handle all this stuff, but you know, I need this kind of elastic compute layer um, to actually really kind of spring into action. And that's where this kind of virtual kubelet and those kind of things um, really Really speak to me around how this this is the future future mode for us where we can um, we can scale from zero and that that was the big announcement from KubeCon is that we've got this open source project with the Deus um, guys the acquisition mm. last year and they've been working on the labs project where now we can actually take that technology a bit further mm. and this is kind of serverless Kubernetes which is what the you know Nirvana is really we've got an orchestrator that um, you know Microsoft or the platform takes care of and then the underlying compute is essentially can be um, scale up from from a zero footprint to to go everywhere so that means we can wind those nodes and we you know you can think of nodes logically I guess as a VM we can wind those nodes down to zero mm-hmm. which means that we can elastically scale right yep. from zero to, to X yep this is a really big theme in computing at the moment you yes. know we, um, service fabric mesh. Mm-hmm. Is really is really pushing us hard as well. I mean, there's a great demo on Azure Friday, which is going from zero to fifteen hundred nodes and on on mesh, and, and you know we're going to see more and more of this with Kubernetes as well. I think this is going to be the big theme of what do you call it a serverless orchestrator? I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I mean this is it. I mean, I think the nice thing is now that from the announcements is that they've been thinking about this, and everyone's like, you yeah. Know, but I think they need to solve the problems around. You know, we need some layer to be able to connect these things, but yes. this is really this is functions as a service for for something like Kubernetes orchestrating it. So the next layer of this is, you know, how do we get this into the functions team, and then that becomes my elastic scale. But I have a single kind of pathway in through through Kubernetes and and start leveraging some of the cool stuff, the other great stuff they're doing um, in that landscape, and just the ecosystem there around. You know, service mesh, service discovery, but also you know policies and frameworks and things like that to make sure that you know, you know, it used to be a problem where somebody broke the build, but now actually with all these releases, that these micro releases that are going on a, on a daily basis, making sure that that's not um, you're not introducing any more problems. Yeah, very good. And if you're a CTO or a CIO and you're and you've got some you know some compute, you know, you've got some a few cores or a few dozen cores there running, you know, and they're idling. You know, they're running at average 20% yep. or, you know, they do, yeah, they I don't do 90% leave... for half the day or mm. something like that. Yeah, I don't leave my car in the driveway idling. No. When I'm sat at home, just in case I need to, ju- yeah. you know, go out, pop out to the shops and stuff like that, right? Exactly. So it's, you know, that's a it's a pretty 
you know crappy analogy, but That's I mean, right. it's that it's it, often we need that. You know, it's, something's got to be there. Something's got to be heart beating. Something's yeah. got to be there, ready to then take the take the event and then you know know that it needs to scale. Of and course, that whole cold start problem with with serverless. But I think yeah. this is where we're really going to start. You know where. You know the platform providers are providing that that Kubernetes layer. Yes, and then actually that's you know that's been taken care of by someone else, and then that can then spawn off the um, the compute that I need to run my workload. For sure, I'm going to put you on the spot a wee bit here. So you know, if if I am a CIO or a CTO, and I'm you know this sounds great, this is what I want. Um, you know, where do where do I start? I mean, Kubernetes for a start. You know, even for me is is a massive landscape of learning. Serverless. I mean, what would your advice be? Where would you where would you direct someone? Microsoft Learn. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You can get started, and um, you don't even need an Azure account. Um, yeah. You know, somebody was asking me that yesterday. You know, um, do I just jump on the and set up a free trial? Yep, there's heaps of free stuff there. You know, you can AKS is free. You can go and get in there. You can get some functions going for free. But I mean, these Microsoft Learn. Um, you just sign up for the site. It gives you guided walkthroughs through the portal. You don't mm. need to deploy anything. It's all you know, kind of stood up and and. and torn down for you yes so there's some some really good stuff there and like you say Azure Fridays there's st- loads of wow. stuff Handsome and usually bring someone on that, that um, will actually talk and give you give you a demo and things like that and yeah this the docs site as well is amazing for um, actual yeah. building going through uh, uh, and teaching it but if you're just starting today um, you know have a look at what's out there because mm. um, yeah uh, you know if you just look at the changes that we've seen this year in Kubes mm. then Next year's who knows? It's it's kind of crazy where you know it's going to come. A, you know the next feature that you thought you were going to spend a month on is just going to become a slider bar or a tick box <laughs> yeah, or a, that's you know, right. another, line, another line of YAML or you know a config that, that's going to go away. Where it's yeah, it just becomes you know just a, a plug into it. Brilliant. So let's talk about the future, and we've already talked a lot about the future, and I think that's really good. Let's talk about futures, and, and let's break it down into three areas. So you know, data, and, which we've talked a lot about, compute as well, and messaging. Where do you want to start there? Where should we go? I guess data. Data would be that would be an interesting one. Yeah. The future. The future of it. So what's your vision? We're sitting here this time next year. I mean, or, or even further out into the future. Where, where do you see this heading? In general terms. Yeah, I mean, I mean, are we going to get into you know serverless databases? They always keep you know talking about this, but yeah. you know that that would be, I guess, nirvana for me. Mm. Some way of of you know micro. I, I guess it comes down to unit of cost, right? Micro billing mm. and those kind of things. Even with all of the database services at the moment, you're paying for uh, you know a provision capacity, reserve units, DTUs, those kind of things. You're paying for cores. So, mm. are we going to get to a stage where you know? Um, databases as services, you know, per transaction as a wow. service. Wow, that's a big call, Matt. <laughs> Interesting. That's very and there's cool. no inside baseball here, so there's no. No, like, no, this no. Is, we, we're, we're I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> nobody's talking to, to us. No, we yeah. we haven't gone and studied the internal roadmaps anywhere. So, um, yeah. and you know, so the full disclaimer: this is uh, this is my opinion or what I, you know, could possibly. I Possibly see. We've, let's talk about messaging. So you mm. know, Event Grid, Event Hubs, yeah. amazing products. What, mm. What's been the standout from from Event Grid? Let's start with that. Event Grid's yeah, that that's been a really again just taking this um, 
taking the weight off me. I don't need to do this stuff anymore. Mm. Like if we were to do um, some of the projects that we've done, you know, last year and we didn't have some of this tooling, I mean, we'd, we'd be up for doing queues and, you know, we could still do it. Like there was no reason why we couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but we'd be into doing that kind of hammer pole, long pole yeah. sessions where we're going out and checking if things are happening. Whereas it's now, uh, and that's again, um, idle time or yes. cycles, spinning cycles that I don't need to spot, spin, right? Absolutely. Oh, is there anything for me to do? Yes. No, there's not. But I still had to go and ask. So the, yep. the effort of asking is, you know, and those micro transactions build up, right? And all of a sudden that becomes well, weight. The, the key point there is that's fine at, at small scale. But when you start to scale, it's not fine. I mean, all those things add up. Yeah, and, it and adds up it, and it becomes less practical to do. Super inefficient. Mm. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. Where is messaging heading? Where, I mean, it, and I'm talking from a Kiwi perspective because, you know, locally, where do you think we should be or, or what's the future for us in terms of that? Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of, um, this is another one as well, that I kind of thought at, thought of. Like, you know, we've seen a lot of Microsoft products, you know, adopt open source um, mm. frameworks. We've talked about Kafka already, mm. you know, Mongo and Cassandra on the Cosmos side, you know. So are we, you know, this time next year, will we see... You know, RabbitMQ um, on Service Bus or, mm. you know, ActiveMQ on Service Bus. So, yeah. you know, Service Bus is, you know, the underlying messaging technology that we have. Yes. So are we going to see something like that? Because I see lots of RabbitMQ, lots of ActiveMQ in, yeah. in the local market. Yeah. Nice. Well, that would be really cool. I mean, we started bringing those APIs. We can sort of do it, can't we, with, yeah. with some of the plugin frameworks? Yeah. And there's some nice ways that you can kind of make it uh, a pluggable architecture so that, you you know, if you, if you do write your software well um, then you can kind of plug them in and out because mm. um, essentially they're using the same protocols but again sometimes it's just nice to to not to for a low friction move where where we can just see yeah just point it at this endpoint uh, and we'll take care of the rest yeah no, that's good I think you know the event grid event grid story is really helping us to to just bring messaging in as a first class mm-hmm First class service um, or feature of the Azure platform. Yeah. Um, you mentioned dead letters. I mean, dead letters was huge. That yeah. was that was where it really took off. I mean, yeah, Event, Event Grid's been around a year, or over a year now. Um, but to this year, they they released the the dead lettering, which was the you know, yeah, it, it's a transient system, right? So if I'm polling an endpoint, I'm saying I'm telling you there's a message for you. Um, if there's something wrong with your Endpoint, or yeah. you know, what it for every reason, you know, bad release, or you know, somebody, um, you know, the, that you don't quite, you're not quite able to process it. Um, event grid will retry, um, and it, that's the standard back off policy and stuff like that. It'll give it, it'll give, give it another go. In fact, it'll give it thirty goes. Um, but you know, if you're not, if I'm not awake, or you know, stuff happens, then um, what happens to that message? Mm. Um, and the ability to just um, put that in a, you know, we call them uh, dead letters, which is basically it's it's not. Yeah, it's a postal a, service yeah. um, analogy, right? <laughs> totally yeah. right. It's all yeah. the mail that can't get delivered. Where yep. does that go? Yep. And someone's got Return to sort it. And yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. That, that that gets parked off to the side, and that really allows us to then start building that and monitoring that and using that as a as a transaction. To, so guaranteed transactions as well. So I can actually guarantee it. That's right, guaranteed, and and also now we can put continuous improvement processes around that dead letter queue, which is what I really love. I mean, for every one of those failed messages, the question is why did it fail? Mm-hmm. And then you know if we work backwards from that and you know ask five whys and all that good stuff, we actually end up improving the system so the dead letter queue gets smaller, and we can and dead letter queues can be managed by by teams even you know customer service teams who look at those and go well that's weird that message didn't get through how can we handle that so I think um, 
you know, that, that sort of concept. And we would call that, I mean, I think the reason why we thought there was a significant announcement for event grids is because that's something we would just think is a necessary aspect of a production-like messaging system, right? Totally, yeah. yeah. I mean, webhooks are one thing, and, you know, yeah. if you if you're fire and, if it's fire and forget, mm. and, you know, and you do you are actually forgetting and you don't really care, then that's all good. But if you want to start using this, this stuff, like you say, to build a production-ready system, you have to take yeah. these things into, into consideration. These concepts are not new, and they've been around in, you know, service bus does this wonderfully, but I think, yeah, bringing that into event grid really just um, mm. brought it uh, to top of mind um, for me as well. How good is event hubs? I mean, I just love that thing. It's cheap. It scales, as I said earlier, you know, in a 24-hour period. Last time I heard, that entire service globally is doing, uh, you know, more than a trillion events. That's a massive number. Yep. Um, and plenty more scale left in, in that thing. This is where we... Huge. You know, this is Xbox scale. Mm. That's, that's running on, on event hubs. That is the um, fire and forget ingestion, you know, protocol and service for, for processing high-speed messages. There was a great analogy, uh, great um, talk. I forget the speaker and apologies, but I'll put it on the um, show notes at Yao one year about... So, you know, you've got your rapids, you've got your river, and you've got your, your lake, and that's the three speeds of buses. And that high-speed bus um, I'm seeing and I'm introducing into architecture more and more, you know, just where can we just ingest things as quickly as we can, put it on the rapids, you know, the high-speed bus, and then figure out what to do with that later, aggregate up those messages from event bus, uh, sorry, event hubs down to service bus, and then from service bus we can go and drop it into blob storage for a lake. And that's, you know, just a really nice pattern uh, for dealing with high amounts of of data yeah because when it's coming at it when it's coming at you that fast Mm. uh, you don't really want to do anything with it right um, you don't want to go and you don't want to pause. No, and you don't want to. You don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to pause. Block a thread while I just deal with it. Exactly. You don't want to have a look at it. It's it's yeah, literally. Yeah. You know, this is this is the. Let's just store it somewhere, persist no. it somewhere, and then and that whole concept of you know. Um, you know the ability to to manipulate time. Yeah. Uh, if I can if I can accept it and acknowledge that I've got it and persist it and say yeah I've got this, um, then you know then I have the ability to to process it in my own time. Uh, and the the feature I love with event hubs is the the capture feature as well, which allows you to actually yes. um, you can just tick a box. And what will what it will do is to your schedule, and I think 15 minutes is the max. But every 15 minutes, it will go and read all the partitions and dump those files out to a single file. So you can Avro. Actually, yeah, you can get into Avro and do all those kind of fun things. But that then, you know, taking it like literally taking it from the rapids, you could do like a million events, and then in 15 minutes' time, you could aggregate the whole thing and stuff them in a, in a whole big batch, which might actually be quicker and cheaper. To do to treat them as a you know a batch orientated system you know we yep. was always taught to you know do things in batches and you know bulk inserts is better than doing it you know sometimes but line by line yeah, yeah. I think use the tool for the job is totally the message right. there right yeah, yeah. and um, at scale you have to do things like that which by the way have worked for decades now I mean mm. we had Yuli over here <clears throat> talking about you know a lot of these patterns you know you, we, you said it earlier event uh, event driven architectures. It's nothing How long new. has that been around? Yeah, exactly. I think it's just now we've got the the tools to make it easy and and cheap, and we you know we're really starting to use that to we can exploit that really. Yeah, uh, very very good. Um, Marcus again, going back to Pageproof and and Marcus and Gemma's talk um, this week at the Azure Lunchtime Meetup. 
tells this great story about no joins on tables. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And how I think there's a comment on Twitter, a Twitter thread that, you know, it's it's cute that at this level of scale you still think we use um, joins, joins between tables. Yeah. And just where, at, you know, you get to a point in scale where even something that we would take as, as you know, for granted as, as a table join uh, can start to hurt you. Yeah, totally. It's just a I really good story. Yeah, yeah. Any level of scale, really. I mean, you know, those things can hurt. And, you know, what works for, for a few hundred messages might not work for, you know, even 10,000. We're not talking, you know, magnitudes, but yeah. it's a magnitude of scale from a from a couple of thousand. So, you know, yeah. and then, you know, the onus is on you to to come up with, you know, the cost model for that as well. So if, if you know, a join works for, for 100, will it work for 100,000? And if it doesn't, then mm. you're up for the you're up for the bill anyway. So just really working out, um, yeah, what the, what the cost economics work out there as well and, That's right. and what, what you're going to get the bang for your buck really because we don't do want... a document or graph model yeah for sure mm. yeah i love it okay all right well we uh we we seem to be going over time but hey it's the season finale so let, let's do it let's rattle out some predictions for the for, for next year so come on matt there's already there's already been what a are few we putting on the table first hang there's, on there's, there's already been a few a bottle of whiskey <laughs> oh okay yeah <laughs> let's make this interesting okay, I like this time it. next year yeah. What's your call? What's your big call, mate? What are, what are we talking about? What's the thing that really blew us away? Um, one of the big things was, and we, we kind of touched on it a little bit, you know, this future of compute, this future of event driven architecture, we're trying to we're trying to boil this stuff down to functions as a service, you know, these these smaller units of compute. Um, and just being able to like scale from zero. Um, if I'm scaling that applic that you know, that piece of code, it needs to be fairly thin and lightweight. Um, and I really like the stuff that, that Cloudflare did with the, um, they took the V8 engine um, from Google and they right. did the JavaScript stuff and did some isolates. And you talked with um, Ben Chartran around it, um, around some of the Cloudflare stuff that they were doing. And I'm, I, I see them as a, uh, as a really interesting company. And I think somebody's going to, some other company is going to be pretty interested in, in acquiring them. So yeah, gonna, some big acquisition on the Yeah, I think that's my horizon. acquisition call is I think um, somebody's going to look at that because, yeah, they've got a great network, huge network, and I think, you know, whoever, whoever it might be, is, is that could be an interesting call. I think that's a good call. Pop node computing mm. is really turning the business upside down, yeah. you know, just in a very small scale, but you can just see where it's going to go. Yeah. And, yeah, the work that Chartrand's been doing on that, I think, is, is mm. really good. So, okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm trying to think what mine would be. I think, you know, this is a bit of a cop-out, really, but, you know, just the drive towards enterprise open source mm -hmm. um, that we've seen this year. Uh, you know, even IBM acquired Red Hat, yep. which is a big acquisition mm -hmm. to get them into the enterprise open source space. Microsoft have been doing this since Satya. Um became CEO this has been a strong focus for us and I think we'll just keep on investing and keep on open open sourcing um, and I think this is this is our competitive advantage at Microsoft and for other companies and I think that that will continue and the Red Hat um, acquisition has proved that I'm not going to go so far as uh, put my <laughs> job on the line to to say what we would and won't open source but I think we'll open source most things I think uh, you know and if you still haven't heard the news I mean what did we what did we open source last week WinForms and WPF yeah um, you know it's just amazing. Those Technologies that were, you know, that was, you know, desktop development for, you know, 10 years worth of, of stuff that Microsoft, you know, poured so much um, investment into and, yeah. and essentially now, and it's coming back, it's making a comeback with, with the, WPF know, is yeah. getting a lot of support. Yep. And .NET Core 3 is going to bring all that as well, yeah. um, you know, breathe new life into that stuff. And yeah. the, the first thing I did when that was announced was went straight into textbox.cs <laughs> and read that code. 
Because how many times have you created a text box in WinForms? I just thought that was beautiful. It's yeah, it's just great. Living that's, the dream. Yeah, it's funny eh, to see. You know, you know, the thing is now where you can just go and you know browse the source on on Git. Uh, yeah, is, is, but is this pretty is nuts. not just for reminiscing. This mm. is not you know us open sourcing MS DOS version one point yeah, yeah. This is actually production code in production. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. I, I think we're going to do more and more of that. And if you don't know already, we've open sourced so much service fabric. Mm. Um, you know, uh, we obviously acquired GitHub, so that's a pretty good sign that we're we're investing in in open source. Yeah, I mean, and all the .NET, you know, all the .NET stuff's happening in the open now. And that was that yep. was you know we talked about that before the really interesting stuff around you know yeah. we're actually developing in the open now. There's For sure. some comments around people just saying, oh, you know, we've open sourced this thing. Yeah, um, you know, so oh, but, the yeah. other really interesting thing is how we open source our documentation. Mm. So one of my favorite sites is. Um, and at Microsoft is on docs.microsoft.com, and that's the architecture center. Yeah. That's actually open source. Mm. Like anyone can take a pull request on that thing. If you don't agree with the way we do CQRS <laughs> or, um, you know, we describe um, Qload leveling, you can take a pull request on that thing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think just change. I think that's the yeah. important thing, right? This, this is the this is the thing where we're open to feedback. We're open to the fact that you know, and no, not everyone's got it right. Not everyone knows the, all the answers, and yes. you know, things change, things shift, and uh, attentions and focuses shift as well. So it's always that's good right. to have that ability to go back and and you know, get everyone's feedback. Totally. And and the other thing is, I was explaining this to a customer the other day. who was asking me to you know go and internally escalated a support issue for one product or another and I said well they're actually open source you can just go and create an issue in GitHub mm. like ah oh, yeah but you know no 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 they actually that's how they run their entire support system <laughs> yeah somebody is going to get pinged Vashish's yeah. team is an yeah. example of that they yeah. their whole thing is run on GitHub in those issues so yeah you can literally you've got as just as much power as I have <laughs> as an employee of Microsoft to go and raise and escalate yeah. uh, you know an issue with them so yeah that is uh, that's super cool all right. Well, I think that's a pretty good summary. I think there's a couple of things there we can. Mm. We so can, this time uh, next year. At, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we'll. Yeah. A bottle of whiskey sounds good. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Enjoy that. Okay. Well, look. Before we go, season finale. I want to say a few thank yous. Who are we going to thank today? I think first of all our guests. Yeah, we've had some amazing guests, and yeah, appreciate appreciate those guys coming on. Yeah, we've got some more lined up for next year. Yeah, we really want to up that. For us, getting the technology right has been a big theme this year. I mean, we still don't, <laughs> we still can't count how many listeners we've got, which is kind of embarrassing. But I want to thank our listeners because it's mm. the feedback we get. And by the way, we haven't even told you how to contact us, but <laughs> you know, we still get amazing feedback from. You know, unexpected places, and we really, really appreciate that. So, totally. so keep doing that. Um, I want to, I want to thank our managers, our Microsoft managers. Totally, um, been massive support. Yeah, Phil Goldie and Steve Hornblow, who have just from day one, even when we were proposing this thing, just said, "Yeah, go for it. What do you need? This is awesome." Yeah, and there've been many others at Microsoft too have been really supportive of that. And finally, a big shout out to my bro, uh, my brother Abraham, who licensed and air quotes the uh, the music that we play on the intro and outro of every episode. And we're going to play out the full version of that track. So check out um, Abraham's music under the Monica Silver WHK on Bandcamp. Have a Merry Christmas. And Happy you, New Year. Cool. Thank you, Matt, for oh. supporting this. This has been so much fun. I'm really looking forward to... Um, Season two. Season two. Season two. Coming to you. 20, 2019. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thanks, man.
Today's episode of Azure Lunch was sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you're building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources, including the Partner Practice Playbooks. And you can find them online at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub.